Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome once again to the mansion on the hill, the house of strange, the palace of mystery. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. This is season five. We thank you for listening to the show. You know, it's bad enough when your child wants a talking doll from their favorite movie because they'll make it talk at all hours of the day and night. But it doubles in intensity to drive you totally out of your mind when the movie has some of the most irritating sound bites. It gets to the point where you try to hide the doll, but they find it. Then you try to lose the doll, like in the trash, but they find it. Looking slightly worse for the wear, it begins haunting you. You walk into their room and the doll greets you with some inane, but appropriate, recording from the movie. Then you find it under your bed because it just said something that totally weirded you out. You begin to contemplate some of the cruelest ways this demonic little doll can be done away with. Ever had something like that in your home? I have. Back when we were foster parenting, we bought a talking Ernie from Sesame Street. He was dressed in pajamas and had a sleep mask on. He had a variety of things he would say, including a very perky, I feel great. Good for Ernie. Years passed and we no longer fostered kids, but my wife would occasionally babysit for friends. We kept many of the toys, including Ernie. I then took a job out of town for a year so that when I'd come home for a weekend or holiday, I got the former kids' room, owing to the fact that I used an apnea mask and Karen did not like the constant rush of air. The large box of toys sat in a corner at the foot of the bed. One night, after working late, then driving the couple of hours home, fighting traffic all the way, Interstate 35 through Austin on a Friday evening, I was ready to get some sleep. I lay my weary body down and began to doze off, only to be startled awake by, I feel great. I sat up and listened. Again, Ernie proclaimed his great feeling. I got up, went to the box, drug Ernie out, and I put him in the den. He could talk to our visitors all he wanted. I in no way considered, or still consider, Ernie to be haunted. I don't. It was just something that happened because of the way you keyed his vocal talents. 
some people do seem to encounter haunted dolls. When you think of haunted dolls, it's likely the creepy old Victorian-looking porcelain kind that springs to mind. Think about Annabelle from the movie. The doll used in the movie was made for the movie. It is a movie prop. The real doll that Annabelle is based on was a Raggedy Ann doll. And it resides in the museum of supposedly haunted items owned by the Warren family. You probably don't have old spooky looking porcelain dolls laying around. Still, don't get too comfortable around any newer kids toys too soon. A Disney's Frozen Elsa doll that was gifted for Christmas in 2013 in the Houston area made headlines when it seemingly became haunted. The doll recited phrases from the movie Frozen and sang Let It Go when a button on its necklace was pressed. For two years it did it in English, the mother said. In 2015 it started doing it alternating between English and Spanish. There wasn't a button to change that, it just did it and it was random. The family has owned the doll for a while now and has never changed the batteries. The mother says the doll would randomly begin to speak and sing even with its switch turned off. The family decided to throw the creepy doll out in December of 2019. Weeks later, they found it inside a bench in their living room. The kids insisted they didn't put it there, and I believe them because they wouldn't have dug through the garbage outside, she said. At that point, Elsa ceased to sing the English rendition of Let It Go altogether, speaking only Spanish when pressed. The family then double-bagged the bizarre doll and placed it at the bottom of their garbage, which was taken out on garbage day. They then went on a trip shortly after, but when they returned, Elsa too had come back and was waiting in the backyard of their home. That's creepy enough. Though here, perhaps the trash was hand-dumped into an older truck that would crush the garbage, you know, as you watch it. And one of the workers may have seen the doll, saw that it was double bagged like it was being protected, and may have retrieved it. Finding no one at home, they may have left it in the backyard, thinking he was doing a kindness. Little did he know. This time, the family mailed Elsa to a family friend in Minnesota who taped the haunted doll to the front bumper of his truck. I don't know if that means this guy was like a kamikaze pilot or just thought it would be cute. It doesn't seem to have made its way back to Houston yet, as per the mother's latest Facebook update on the creepy doll. Anything from Frozen is on my band list. I have let it go. In August 2016 in North London, 26-year-old Kennedy Ife began acting strange and aggressive following a pain in his throat. He reportedly bit his father, threatened to injure himself, and complained of a python or snake inside of him before his family restrained him to a bed with cable ties and excessive force. As the BBC reported, the family then set about 
attempting to cure Kennedy through restraint and prayer over the next three days, the court was told. His brother, Colin Ife, told police, It's clear that that thing was in him. What we believed was a demon because it was not natural. It was clearly trying to kill him, he said. We had to restrain him for himself. It was clear if we didn't restrain him, he would have tried to harm people in our family. Kennedy Ife had been bound to his bed for three days without medical attention when his brother called emergency services, explaining that Kennedy Ife was complaining of dehydration. He appeared to have developed breathing issues and was pronounced dead at 10.17 a.m. As the Independent reported, while police were at the house, Colin Ife allegedly carried out an attempted resurrection by chanting and praying for Mr. Ife. All seven of Kennedy Ife's family members were accused of manslaughter, false imprisonment, and causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult. A post-mortem examination revealed over 60 wounds, including a possible bite on Kennedy Ife's body, and his father, Kenneth Ife, along with four of his brothers, sustained injuries as well. The BBC reported, Kenneth Ife told jurors he ordered his sons to take shifts and to use overwhelming force, but denied that an association with cults, the elk cult, and secret societies played any part in the death. After a four-day jury deliberation, all seven family members were cleared of charges on March 14, 2019. In this case, I don't know what to think because do I believe that demons can possess a body? Yes, I do. Do I believe that you can drive the demons out? Yes, I do. Maybe not like this. Obviously, something went wrong. And maybe they didn't have money for medical. They didn't want to bring attention to themselves. I don't know what the deal was, but they tried and failed. But this is not the only time an exorcism went pear-shaped and resulted in death or serious bodily harm. In 1976, a 23-year-old German girl named Annalisa Michelle died of dehydration and malnutrition after more than 60 exorcisms were performed on her throughout a period of 10 months. Her troubles started when she was 16 and she had a seizure. She was later diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy and depression. She was also reported to loathe religious icons, hear voices, and she became suicidal. Her family was convinced that she was possessed and eventually talked a pair of priests into exercising her. Her parents and the priest were convicted of negligent homicide. Can it go too far? Yes, obviously it can. Can it be wrong? Yes, obviously it can. What these people were calling demons may have very simply been a very serious mental issue within the girl. She should have been taken to a doctor. I mean, that's my viewpoint. Bridget Cleary was an Irish woman murdered by her husband, Michael Cleary, in 1895. Michael believed that Bridget had been kidnapped by fairies and that she was actually a changeling. He either murdered her and set her body on fire or lit her on fire while she was still alive. Prior to her death, Bridget had been sick, possibly with pneumonia 
or tuberculosis. There are numerous cases of deaths during exorcisms. I'm just not going into all of them for the sake of time and well-being of my listeners. When it came time for a certain family to insulate their home in Auburn, Pennsylvania in 2015, they discovered that someone had already done it with the bodies of scores of dead animals. Fox News reported, The dead animals were wrapped in newspapers from the 30s and 40s and were among half-used spices and other items. After removing the items, they sent hundreds of artifacts and carcasses to an expert in Cutstown. The expert attributed the rotting animals in their walls to powwow, or Dutch magic. Yes, it's a real thing. Look it up. A ritual originating in the culture of the Pennsylvania Dutch to treat ailments and gain physical and spiritual protection. The Pennsylvania Dutch were a group of German-speaking settlers to Pennsylvania in the 16 and 1700s and are often of Lutheran, Mennonite, or Amish faiths. The Washington Post notes on the magic. Many of the spells deal with the care of livestock, the finding of water, or the treatment of minor ailments, reflecting the conditions and concerns of early American settlers. But powwow also has within it a tradition of darker spells and even of such things as conjuring demons. There is listed a certain hex mentioned within the story, but I won't repeat it. It's not a dangerous one, but I don't want anybody to do something and say, well, he said it was okay. Because I don't. I don't say these things are okay. I don't say these things are okay in the very least. The mold found on the rotting carcasses in the, the folks' home has caused illness among the family members, and they say that the odor hasn't gone away. <laughs> really? I would wonder how they didn't notice the smell at the outset when they got the house. In September of 2014, a Utah teen returned to his home to find his parents and his three siblings dead. In a notebook, a to-do list had been scribbled on the pages. The list looked as if the parents were readying to go on vacation. Items such as feed the pets and find someone to watch the house were written. The Salt Lake Tribune reported it appeared to be a murder-suicide. But there was no suicide note, no prior indication that they would do this, no explanation. Police could not figure out why the two parents would kill themselves and three of their four children. For a year, no one knew exactly what happened to the family or what would drive the parents to do something so unthinkable. In January, police released more chilling details in the case. According to accounts from family members and an investigation by police, the parents were driven by a belief that the apocalypse was coming, and it is, and with an obsession over a convicted killer. As the Washington Post reported, friends and family told police that the parents were worried about the evil in the world and wanted to escape a pending apocalypse but most assumed they just wanted to move somewhere off the grid. They thought they would move out into the woods and 
live comfortably. Investigators also found letters written by Christy Strack, the mother, to one of the state's most infamous convicted killers, Dan Lafferty, who was convicted in the 1984 fatal stabbing of his sister-in-law and her one-year-old daughter. According to trial testimony, he killed the victims at the order of his brother, Ron Lafferty, who claimed to have had a revelation from God. The story became a book, but I'll not give the name of it because I'm not going to benefit anybody in this case. Police said Christy Strack became friends with Dan Lafferty, and she and her husband even visited him in prison. Were they perhaps looking for pointers? Were they trying to maybe spiritually witness to the man? Were they willing disciples? I don't know. Have you ever visited a cemetery on a ghost hunt? Did you see anything? Did you feel anything? Did you hear anything? I've been to cemeteries after hours, but not particularly on any organized ghost hunt. I mean, we just went. When my wife and I were in college, we'd sometimes walk to the local store. The path took us through a very large cemetery. Now, while I already had a strong interest in paranormal things, we would travel through the place quickly, quietly, and respectfully. No need attracting any kind of trouble. Even celebrities have been known to haunt America's old cemeteries. Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Southern California is known for its celebrity burials. Some of the famous who reside there include Douglas Fairbanks, Jane Mansfield, and Rudolph Valentino. As with any old cemetery, you know who Jane Mansfield was. She is the mother of the lady that plays the lieutenant in Law & Order SVU, Mariska Hargitay. As with any old cemetery, it also has its share of ghost stories, including one non-resident ghost that comes to visit. Marion Davies, a film actress and longtime mistress of newspaper man William Randolph Hearst, died in September of 1961 after succumbing to cancer. She was buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery in a family mausoleum that would later include her, quote, niece, unquote, Patricia Lake. Hearst died almost 10 years prior to Davies and was buried in Northern California at Cypress Lawn Memorial Park in Colma. Still married when he died, Hearst had openly lived with Davies and is rumored to have fathered a child with her, Patricia Lake, who was raised by Davies' sister. Davies played hostess and helped Hearst with financial matters, even providing him a million-dollar check when his business was in trouble. All this happened while he was married to his wife, Millicent, who escaped the day-to-day -day reality of the scandal by moving to New York to conduct her philanthropic work, out of sight of her husband's affair. With Hearst and Davies long gone, you'd think their story had come to an end, but not particularly so. Some startled visitors to Hollywood Forever Cemetery have reported seeing the ghost of William Randolph Hearst haunting the grave sites of the mistress he loved and the daughter he could never publicly acknowledge. It probably comes as no great surprise 
that the final resting place for writer Edgar Allan Poe is haunted. Most people are familiar with the story of the mysterious visitor, the Poe Toaster, who for 75 years, starting in 1934, visited Poe's grave in the middle of the night on January 19th, which is the author's birthday, drank a toast to him, and left three roses and the rest of the bottle of cognac. Poe's mysterious visitor made his last appearance in 2009, the 200th anniversary of the author's birth. He, or it, was never identified, and perhaps never will be. And while some have claimed that Poe's ghost walks the cemetery catacombs, there are other ghostly residents that make Westminster Hall and Burying Ground, which was established in 1787, repeatedly named as one of the most haunted cemeteries. The Screaming Skull of Cambridge, a head belonging to a murdered minister, is just one of the ghostly residents of this old Baltimore, Maryland cemetery reported by visitors. The ghost story goes that his corpse would scream day and night, so his mouth was gagged in an effort to muffle the ongoing screams. When that didn't work, his body was decapitated and his skull was buried in a block of cement. Other reported ghosts roaming the old cemetery grounds include a teenage girl that can be seen praying by her grave, and a woman who spent time in an asylum who follows visitors around the cemetery. She is quite recognizable because she was buried in a straitjacket. Now, closer to home. I have a friend who visits her parents' graves in her small central Texas hometown quite often. It's one thing she's found solace in during this time of COVID. This is her latest story, albeit somewhat truncated and maybe adapted a bit, but the gist prevails. She has shared with me before a story about having been at the cemetery laying flowers on her parents' grave and having a man somewhere near her call her by name and say hi. And she kind of nodded and, you know, small towns being what they are, everybody tend to know everybody else. But she didn't know this guy by, you know, first glance. Well, as she's cleaning up around the, the grave site and, and is getting ready to leave, she looks up and this man is walking toward her in a very determined fashion. Well, she does what any self-respecting, sane person would do. She jumped in the car and beat feet. But she took a turn around the cemetery to see if she could see the guy. And there was no guy. Well, move forward several months. And she has gone to the cemetery recently. And her husband went with her this time, which is a change in history. They got out of the car, and she was putting flowers on her parents' grave. And this little old woman, looked to be in her, her 80s, came up and said something about she always put such pretty flowers out, but the lilies that she placed at Easter, I believe it was, had blown all over the cemetery, and she had to chase them down and bring them back. And again, she posted that she always enjoyed seeing the flowers. And she saw her there a lot because she's always in the cemetery. 
and then turned and walked off. Now to prove this was not a vision that my friend had, her husband said, what the heck was that all about? Well, again, they were finished what they were doing. They got in the car and they were going to drive around the cemetery to see if they could see the little old lady. And there was no little old lady. So did my friend witness two separate spirits in this cemetery? Or was it just two random people there at the same time? It's, it's a mystery to me. I don't know the answer to it. She doesn't know the answer to it. But she said it was definitely something that gave her chills. This last one is relatively short, but it's a regular murder mystery turned ghost story. In the early 1900s in Weatherford, Oklahoma, Katie DeWitt James left her home with her baby after she had filed for divorce from her husband. She planned to move in with her cousin, but her family never heard from her. After an investigation, it turned out that she had moved in with local prostitute Franny Norton. That's one version of the story. She was last seen leaving that house with Franny and her child in a carriage. Apparently, Franny was going to take her to the family's home or to the train or something. She was last seen leaving that house, but Franny returned with the child who was covered in blood, but no Katie. Her body was found later along a nearby creek with her head cut off. It was rumored that her ex-husband had killed her with Franny's help, but Franny claimed she wasn't involved in Katie's death. But on the day she was supposed to be questioned by the police, she took poison and killed herself. Katie's still around, though. She allegedly appears as a blue light floating around town, and people have reported hearing a woman looking for her baby and the rolling sound of wheels. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. Aaron reads listener stories, mostly ghost stories, sometimes UFOs, sometimes cryptids. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's Horror Show, different things that he's written. He reviews movies, books, things like that. On Wednesday, it's me, Terry from Texas, with Terry's Mysterious Moments, where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about. And at the first weekend of the month, we have video from The Witching Hour. And Aaron has instituted a new area called Entertaining Short Films. That's exactly what they are. They're just short stories. Nothing in particular, no particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. 
install it and when you open that up you can go straight to the real paranormal activity the podcast and its network so all the all the stories that are involved with rpa are there so you don't have to go hunting for them if you want to contact me at terry's mysterious moments you can do that on the facebook page and it's called terry's mysterious moments or you can email me at terry's mysterious moments at gmail.com contact me if you want to let's talk about some things that's about it we'll be back again listen to the other shows have a good week everybody